I hope you're not disappointed that uh, I may not have the stamina to preach as long as Gary does. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's our own fault. Uh, the elders, we're to blame for that. We, we hired him and said we'd pay you by the hour. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's not his fault at all. Be sure and tell him I said that. You like to watch the uh, science shows that, are, that come on TV that tell you how things work and how they go and what makes nature and the world and the universe and all that kind of thing. Uh, I watched one recently. It was one of those shows that uh, was talking about the universe and how it came about was this particular one. It basically was the Big Bang Theory. What they explained, and I'm going to explain it to you as best that I understood that in, in a thumbnail sketch. You see, there was this matter and antimatter. It was just there. Now, they didn't explain where that came from, and I was a little curious about that. How did, where, where did that come from? But they didn't start. They just started with that there was matter and there was antimatter, and it clashed. Well, when, as you know, if you watch Star Trek, when matter and antimatter clashes, there's an explosion. There's energy release, there's fire, there's heat, there's all this kind of thing. And then that's, and that's what happened. The matter and the antimatter clashed together. Fortunately, fortunately for us, there was more matter than antimatter. And in that Big Bang, in that, those explosions... There was matter left over, and that then, by that energy and all that, was formed into stars and planets and our solar system and our, our universe and our, you know, the, our solar system and, and the earth. Now, at that time, it seemed like the earth was kind of made out of hot, molten rock. It began to cool off. I mean, we're talking millions of years here, so we got time to get this done. But there wasn't any water. According to this, there wasn't any water. Fortunately, somewhere out there in outer space, water had been formed, and it came and crashed into the earth. We got water. Because we were the exact distance from the sun, conditions were just right, life formed. And... Bunny rabbits happened, and hummingbirds, and puppy dogs, and we happened. Now, as I was listening to that, I was struck. And, and, and to the, the scientists didn't say, we know this, this is facts. They, they were saying, this is probably what happened. This is what we think happened. This is what could have happened. So they're, because they don't know, because they're saying, hey, it's here. How did it get here? And God's not in the equation. God's not scientific. So he wasn't in on this. And so they've got to say, Art, there had to be a way. This is what we think happened. The thing that struck me about this was the randomness of it all. It just sort of happened. Lucky for us, it happened. You see, there was no, there was no purpose for it. There was no reason for it. There was no meaning to it. It just, it just happened. 
And as a result of that, if, if what they were saying is true, then we are just random too. And there's no purpose. And there's no meaning. We're just here, like the bunny rabbits. It's all very meaningless. And I was struck by how very different that scenario, that narrative is from the narrative you read in the Bible. Because according to the Bible, it's all intentional. It's not random at all. Nothing is random. Genesis 1 starts off with God acting. God sets this whole thing in motion. He starts it all with the creation. As you read through the Bible, you, you, you come to understand there is an unfolding story here that is not random. It is intentional. God has a plan, and it is unfolding. It's very intentional. The scripture we read up here a while ago from, from Isaiah one of the things, if you listen carefully, God is saying, I have a plan, and I'm going to make it happen. Nothing's going to stop it. I am God, and I am making my plan happen. Listen to it again. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past? For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there's no one like me declaring the end from the beginning. That there's going to be an end? Read Revelation. There's going to be an end. There's a plan to all of this. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. And in the bottom one, truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. Here is something very intentional, not, not random. Now, in thinking about that, thinking about how intentional it is, I begin to realize, and I'm, I'm just sharing this, the Lord's kind of been putting this on me for the last several weeks begin to realize that God, not only does he have a, a large plan that is unfolding, he brings people into this plan, into the world, at a specific time for a specific purpose. Now, some, you, may, you may get a little uncomfortable with this. You may not agree with some of this. I don't know that I understand all this, but let me tell you what I've... What I see, I see God in bringing people into the world at a certain time. I mean, the first one was Adam. When, when did he come? On the sixth day, very specifically, Eve, right after that. But then there are others. As God's plan is unfolding, you almost hear him saying, Okay, I need an Abraham here. And here was an Abraham. You see him saying a little later on, okay, I'm going to need a Joseph. 
I'm going to need a Joseph. He's going to get my people down in Egypt. And so there was a Joseph. And then he says about 400 years later, okay, I'm going to need a Moses. And so he starts with Amram and Jochebed. Everybody know Moses' parents' names? You don't hear those much anymore. That was his parents. He started with them. And you see the story of Moses. You see God's hand all over it. You see how very intentional it is, how he's directing this, how he's making this happen. He also evidently said, I'm going to need a Pharaoh because there was one. As time goes on, Moses leads them. Okay, Moses has done his thing. They're getting ready to go in the promised land. I don't need Moses anymore. I need a, a military leader. I need a Joshua. There's a Joshua. In the time of the judges, my people are being uh, overrun by the enemy, and they're crying out to me. They need a Samson. Here's a Samson. They need a Gideon. Here's a Gideon. They, later on, I'll need a David, and I'll need a Solomon. I'll need an Isaiah. I'll need a Daniel. And as we go into the New Testament, we see it again. I need a John the Baptist, so I'll start with Zechariah and Elizabeth. I'm going to send my son in, so I'm going to need a Mary and a Joseph. And during the ministry of Jesus, I'm going to need a Peter and a John and a James. Later on, I'm going to need a Saul of Tarsus. If you're you're doubting some of this, even... During the life of Jesus, you know, before he entered Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, he said to his disciples, go into town and you'll find a donkey. Untie the donkey and bring it. And when somebody asks you, hey, man, are you wrestling my donkey? What's going on here? You tell him the master has need of him and he'll say, okay, take it. It's all intentional. This is not random. God is planning tremendous things here. He's working them out. Okay, then, are you saying everybody is intentional like that? I don't know. Maybe that we are. Maybe you're very intentional. We have a tendency to think, Well, we're just random. I'm just one of the random ones that showed up here. Years ago, when when Shiloh Road started, we needed a Harvey Grant. We had a Harvey Grant. Harvey, you here? There's Harvey right back there. Y'all know Harvey Grant. Stand up, Harvey. Some of y'all that are new here, y'all don't know Harvey. But that man is as responsible for this church being here as any one person. God sent him at a time. There was a time we needed him. We needed Terry Logston to lead the singing. We had one. Was I intentional? I like to think so. Are you? See, I don't prove it. Can't do that. I don't have the answers to that. But it seems to me that God puts us 
in this unfolding plan at a time and maybe even at a place where he wants us to be. Because the truth of the matter is you didn't have a whole lot to say about being born when you were or where you were or how you were. To the parents, you didn't say, well, it was, it was random, was it? I'm not so sure of that. What I am sure of, here's what I do know, that you and I are here now, at this time, at this, in this place. None of us necessarily planned this. It's what happened. What was it random? I don't think so. I think we can see. I know in my own life, you've heard me testify and tell my story at various times because that's the one I know. That's the one I experienced. When I was in TJC and, and wandering around, you know, lost, not knowing what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? And, and I went to sign up for my classes, and the guy helping me said, well, you need an elective. How about a Bible class? And I said, no, 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 that's not for me. You know what he said? How about speech? Ooh, no, I can't do that. I couldn't. Well, then how about typing? Typing, sign me up for typing. That is a machine. Some of the younger ones, that's a machine <laughs> that you put paper in. Oh, you wouldn't even you wouldn't know that. But we needed, to, you know, typing. He went to sign me up for typing. He came back and he says, that class is full. you got to take speech or Bible. It's about all that's left. Well, I can't do any speech. Put me in Bible. I mean, that's the kind of guy I was at that time. I was a believer. I was a Christian, but I didn't want to be over there. God put me over there. It was intentional. I needed to be over there. And my life changed right there. It was God at work. you got stories, every one of you, of where God put you and how he changed the circumstance. This is our time here and now. We're here. God put us here to fulfill his plan. You see, in every generation since Jesus came, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, those of us that grabbed onto that, we became the kingdom. We became the church. We became God's people. You read about it over in the book of Ephesians where he talks about God's unfolding plan. I love Ephesians, particularly the first chapter, because it goes to God's intent. He doesn't do that very much. You know how parents used to say, when you did something, what were you thinking, boy? My parents used to say that to me a lot, and I'll, I wasn't. That was the problem most of the time. But you wonder, what was God thinking he chose us in him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world. When was that done? Before he started Genesis 1-1, God created. Do you understand this? This is what he's thinking. 
He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kindness of His will. What was the reason? To the praise of the glory of His grace which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. I don't know about you, but I feel like standing up and giving a hand and shouting hallelujah. That's why we were singing these songs of celebration. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. God has done this for us. We're here now. He needs somebody to sing the hymns, and he needs somebody to say the prayers, and he needs somebody to celebrate the feast. And he needs somebody to walk out into the streets living for Jesus, testifying to his greatness. Peter said it. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation to God, for God, a people for God's own possession, that you may show forth how great God is, his virtues. That's why we're here. This is our time to speak. It's our time to sing. It's our time to walk in faith. It's our time to give of our means. To show forth the faithfulness of God and our thankfulness toward God and our trust in God. All of this is His plan. And it's intentional. You and I are here now. Now, some of us have been here a long time. We don't have as much time as, as we did. We don't have much, you know. I don't know. And you begin to wonder, why do some people have a lot of time and some have so little? So little. Some almost none. They disappear for a moment. Why is that? I don't know. We've been dealing with this. Our family's been dealing with this this last week. You know we have. Brian Womble's taken too quick. He's too young. Ask his mama. We're brokenhearted. Shed a lot of tears. But you know what? Even in the midst of that, we're singing. We're here today to worship. We're here today to say how good God is because while we don't understand, and you don't have to, you know, give me some answers. Don't have any answers. There's just God, and He's good. He's good all the time. And even when we don't understand how or why, because truth of the matter is God's not very good at explaining why. That's, the whole book of Job was about that, wasn't it? Why? Why? Explain yourself. And you know what he said? No. No. I don't explain myself. I'm God. And I think there's a underlying, you wouldn't understand. You couldn't begin to grasp. And so we just say, all right, I trust you. I know you're good. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we endure pain, but we know you're good. 
So our lives are not random. We're here because God put us here. Do I have some, you know, everybody can be asked, well, am I here for some great purpose, some great function sometime that I'm going to, I have no idea. All I do know is that the book of Ephesians that talks about this plan of God's goes through here and talks a great deal about your walk, your walk, how it's to be with faith and with love and with grace and with truth and light, how we are to be honest with each other and upright straightforward, believing in God, relying on the Spirit, because it's our time to do that. You see, generations before us, think about your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, think about the generations here in the church. You know what? You're sitting on pews that some people years ago made sacrifices, had a special offering to the glory of God, so you could sit here today. This building. But this is our time. And we will have our opportunities. They'll come. It's our time to be Christ church. Here. The body of Christ at this place. In the here and the now. To be the physical presence of Jesus in Tyler, Texas. It's our time. And we need to step up. It's our, it's our God-given calling, charge, and it's our vision. You know, when we, we went through and found a vision for our church, let's make sure we're staying on track. That's our vision. Be Jesus. Be the body of Christ. Let there be a love here that testifies to the greatness of God. Jesus said that. They'll know who you are by your love for each other. Then it's your time to be so full of love that people see that God is real. It's our task right now to be united. Oh, different? Of course. We're not going to be the same. We don't have the same answers to everything. But we're all in Jesus. We're all following Him. We're worshiping Him. We're united in Him. That's a message. That's a sign of the reality of God because nobody can do that but God. James said, and I think we're, we're aware of this, that sometimes more than others, as we get older, probably more aware. James said in 4.13, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And we know that's true. The psalmist said, Psalms 31, My years are in your hands. I'm very aware 
that the Lord has a time for me. He has one for you. We've seen it for other people. We've seen it. It's part of this reality. And so here, today, in this time, it is our job, our calling to give honor and glory to our God and to Jesus, his Son. The book of Esther is, is a fascinating book. It's really just history. In fact, it's an odd book to be in the Bible because did you know that God is not mentioned in the book of Esther? His name is not mentioned. He's there. All his, his fingerprints are all over it, but he's not mentioned. This is the time during the captivity. The Jews were carried away to captivity, and they're, they're, they're in the Medo-Persian Empire. And the king, the king of the Medo-Persian Empire, oh, it's, a, it's an involved story. He called his wife to come show off in front of all the bigwigs that he had invited to a party, and she said, no, I ain't coming, and he fired her. Well, I'm, I'm putting this in the vernacular of today, okay. And he said, okay, we're going to need a new queen. So they had a beauty pageant. They had a, to select Miss Medo-Persia. And as it turned out, the most beautiful, gracious person was a young woman named Esther. It happens, randomly or intentionally, you decide, it happens that she was a Jew. She didn't say so. She didn't tell him she was. But she becomes the queen. Later on, oh, it's an involved story. It, it would make a great movie. Uh, they, uh, there's a conspiracy. The Jews are all going to be attacked on a certain day, and they're all going to be killed and wiped out. And her uncle says to her, you need to go to the king and use your influence to stop this. She says, you can't go to the king. You show up in front of the king. If he's not pleased with you showing up, you die right then. And this is when he says, you got that from Esther? You don't got it. Okay. Uh, oh, there it is. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows but what God has not put you here right now for this. And if you want to know how the story turns out, read it. It's good. Make this your words. Make these your words. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this, that your gifts and your talents and your ability and your opportunities are needed right now, right here. I look around and I say, yes, Shallow would need a, Shallow would need a Burke. Shallow, Alita, David, Travis, 
a gene. <laughs> Even a Linda. <laughs> Who knows but what you're here right now. Because God is not random. Maybe you're visiting here today and you're thinking, I don't even know why I'm here. And nobody knows I'm here. God does. This book is about his plan that is unfolding. How he's calling people. I want you to believe in my son and the cross. What happened there for your redemption. And for you to follow and to walk your walk, your walk of faith. Your walk glorifying God, your service to Him. And the truth of the matter is, that is the life that, that is the best life for us. Somebody said it like this, if I can remember the words exactly. Being a Christian makes a better life. And being a Christian makes life better. Because it's right. It's the intentional life that God calls us to. We want to call you to that. We want to use the words of God and say, come, come be part of it all, the great unfolding plan. Don't live your life randomly. There is a purpose for you in God's kingdom. I believe that with all my heart. And we want to invite you to that. And we want to encourage each other. In just a minute, we're going to stand and sing, and the elders, the staff, y'all can get up and go right now. We'll take your places. They're going to be around here. Walk back there if you need. You've got something on your mind, something you're struggling with, something you're hurting about. You just want to know. Go, go, go talk to them. They'll put their arms around you and pray for you and with you. There'll be some in the gathering later on. Because we're here for you. We want to help you find your place in your time. If we can serve you, let us know. Be baptized into Christ. Start that new life with Jesus. Let's stand and sing.